You're listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. And this is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? Uh, Anybody get any sleep this week? What with all this West Coast chicanery? I had a couple of nights when my... um, a uh, five-month-old was being super uh, helpful to my baseball addiction and uh, <laughs> waking up every 15 minutes <laughs> from about 10 to about midnight really, really helped my um, following of the Padres game. <laughs> I wonder, you know, as I said that, Smith, I thought maybe we have some West Coast listeners. Hmm. But then I thought, I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> I mean, you could have, you could have a couple of, uh, we, I, I think we have one British listener, so, you know, <laughs> that's true. Baltimore that's expats true. go to different places of the world as seen by us yeah. both living in New York city. I think, I think you probably get more expat Oriole fan, uh, bona fides if you live in either on the West coast of the United States or in Europe than we get uh, by just doing it. Just in New doing York, it in New York, right. The right. same time zone. <laughs> yeah. And close enough that you can just drive down 95 and go to a game, as we recently did. And for a moment, thought we had jinxed the entire team. <laughs> yes. Uh, fun exchange Alan and I had in the car uh, on the way back from that game was uh, Alan saw a stat that said uh, the, at, at that point the Orioles had 51 games left. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was something in there about, you know, the record that they had to get over the next um, the next 51 games in order to contend for either a wild card or the division title. Um, and that, you know, oh no, this was it. This was it. It was that a certain projection model had still not updated. Right. Their so they were still suggesting they were going to win 74 games. <laughs> 74, and this was after they had won game 70. Yes, that was it. And so we were kind of joking, like, yeah, I, I don't really think they're going to go 4-47 and 47 the rest of the way, dude. And then they promptly lost two games in a row. And suspended <laughs> and we Kevin like, Brown and <laughs> all of the yes, vibes. Yes, All of we the vibes like, went pear-shaped at once. Oh, okay. Uh, we, ha- we have more power than we thought we did. Isn't that, though, the like the quintessential baseball team game experience of, like, I am not yeah. going to move out of this seat because uh, during sitting in this seat, <laughs> Fujiyami managed to actually like locate four consecutive fastballs, so I cannot move again. The power that we have over these games, Sam, we're just we're just you know, all magicians. Smith, that uh, it was the Sunday afternoon game against the Mets when the Orioles won two to nothing and uh, won their seventieth game, and I was thinking. We saw in that game, live and in person, um, something that may never again take place in the wild, which was a clean Fuji inning. <laughs> Not only a clean inning, but a nine-pitch inning. Nine-pitch inning, where he looked like Absolutely the second coming. untouchable. Yes, it was extraordinary. And also, it already feels like ancient history that we would trust him with a 2 nothing lead. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it kind what? of felt like it kind of felt risky even in the moment, if I remember correctly. But oh, we were not comfortable. No, but then, yeah, he, <laughs> I mean, he was just just disgusting. 
Um, yes, and now he's a different kind of disgusting. <laughs> well, Smith, uh, uh, speaking of, of these matters, um, today on the show, we're we're debuting a new format, uh, which no, nobody get uh, worried. It, it's not particularly innovative. But um, <laughs> rather than our typical kind of uh, freewheeling Bob Dylan type conversation, uh, we, we're going to start doing something on the show, or at least we're going to try it today, where we're going to start <laughs> things off by... Uh, Alan and I are each going to say something from this past week that we loved, and uh, then we're each going to say something that troubled us, uh, and then we're going to pivot into a big idea conversation. But um, if I may, Smith, I'll, I'll start off with yeah. uh, something that I, I loved this week, which was the Dean Kramer performance. Mm in the what became a, a very unfortunate loss in the series finale to the Padres. Um, but I think it should not go without note that Dean Kramer still managed a quality start in yeah. that outing. Yeah, retired and, 10 consecutive batters at one point. Yes, and he plainly, I I was able to watch that game live, and uh, which I don't often get to do these days. And what was really cool to observe happening, which is manifestly something that, you know, obviously Grayson Rodriguez has struggled with at various points this year, although he's been much better lately, and other Orioles pitchers, Tyler Wells comes to mind, is Dean Kramer did not have his best stuff, and mm-hmm. he knew that he didn't have his best stuff. You could see it on his face. You could see it from the, the location stuff. of the pitches with <laughs> regard to the strike zone. <laughs> but he found a way, and his pitch count was going up and up and up, and it was like, this dude is not getting through four innings today. It's not happening. And he did not melt down. He did not get overly frustrated. He just, like, figured out a way to get through it. He pitched. Uh-huh. And I just feel like in all these conversations about the rotation and concern about the rotation and, um, you know, who wins and loses trades and, and all these things. And panic about the rotation. And... <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I just feel like Dean Kramer's ability to do that so consistently this year mm-hmm. has been just really special to watch um, because it, you know, it, in all the articles about the Orioles that get written, um, he, you know, everybody talks about like, uh, how, you know, he doesn't really have, he's like a back-of-the-rotation starter and and all these things. And, you know, I, sure, maybe on paper that's true, but, like, somehow he, maybe even more than Kyle Gibson, like, Dean Kramer is the guy I worry about the least hmm. as we make our way through the weekly cycle of pitchers. And I just wanted to point out, you know, I was looking up um, his stats this season, in April and March, he had a 6.67 ERA. In May, he pitched to a 2.45 huh? ERA. That's over 29 and a third innings. Um, in June, not so good, 5.91. <laughs> July, 3.45. August, 3.44. And does that make him an ace, a savior? No, it doesn't. 
But it does make him another Kyle Gibson at worst. Trending towards perhaps a, you know, good Cole Irvin at best. And... <laughs> What a weird, what a weird think, ranking system. <laughs> yeah. To use terminology that I think only <laughs> makes sense in this very specific context. Um, but it's just been, I guess I just want to say, it's been really exciting to watch him before our eyes learn how to pitch and to do that in a reliable way. Like he almost never melts down. He almost never blows up. He almost never just completely gives the game away in the early going in the way that well, Flaherty all did. of our other pitchers have. Flaherty did the yeah. night before. I mean, or two nights exactly. before. Exactly. And I, I don't know. I just don't think he gets the credit that he deserves mm-hmm. for knowing how to pitch. Not necessarily knowing how to dominate. Not necessarily, you know, being the guy who carries the rotation. But he knows how to pitch. And we are in, it seems to me, every single start that he makes. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder, I mean, do, does his... Does his um... What 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 is his current win loss record? Because I think that's well, maybe an that's also amazing. Yeah, because I think he's eleven and five. Right, which so is he's, like he's he's up uh, there. He's he's hanging around. <laughs> he's allowing the bats time to work. <laughs> yes, whether they end up working is uh, a different story. But uh, we're going to talk about things that we're worried about in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Well, I, I, then, then to keep the um, the the general positive vibes going, I would say that uh, a thing that I um, have enjoyed and continue to be excited about is uh, Westberg. Um, ah, and I, you know, I don't um, his. Um uh, initial hitting numbers are not super exciting. Um mm-hmm. and he's still, I think, you know, struggling to find his space a little bit, but his mm-hmm. defense mm-hmm. has been so impressive <laughs> and he yeah. has started to find moments of uh competence uh at the plate um mm-hmm. that give me a little uh you know gunner adley uh tingles Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. it's interesting that uh kowser got sent down to kind of Mm -hmm. get some i guess some get some more rotation get some more at bats and and uh rediscover his stroke for a bit but i don't know i think that westberg has been um and i think that the advanced stats kind of back up my feeling of eye test is that he has been like Mm -hmm. more impressive than it looks <laughs> initially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and it, it, it feels like he's already kind of at the production level of Adam Frazier, um, both with his glove and, and with his bat. And yeah. uh, that's, you know, that in the midst of a pennant race, in the midst of sort of coming up and jumping in for the first time to this new space, in the midst of... Um, a lot of other, you know, continuing to hear about all the prospects that are behind him, which I think must be a little bit daunting for somebody who is young and upcoming to see hear about like the Orioles prospects are once again, number one in the nation, even after he's left the prospect list. Um, <laughs> like yeah. that, that I think is fundamentally like a lot, 
on the old bean. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I've been impressed. I've been, I've been impressed with his uh, relative consistency and relative calmness. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, he's a, he is a, he is a cromulent bottom of the order batter. And I don't think he's going to get out every time he gets up, which I cannot say for other people who have been in the lineup just for their glove. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think something that has been exciting to me, I think this is true of a number of Orioles prospects, but Westberg is maybe the most consistent example of it is like, I think that the thing that was really exciting when Gunnar Henderson came up was that when he made contact, which he did a lot initially because the league didn't know how to pitch to him, it was exciting Mm -hmm. every time he made contact. Mm -hmm. Um, He hit the ball hard. He drove balls in the gap. Um, But then as the league started to figure out how to pitch to him, the swing and miss in Gunner's game, which is something he's still working on, Mm -hmm. started to reveal itself. And he's gotten better, but it's it's still there, especially the last couple of weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it took him a long time. You know, it's been covered a lot in the early part of this season that he was, at first he was being like a little too selective and swinging, like swinging and missing a lot because he was working himself into counts where the pitcher could kind of do whatever they wanted. And then he started to focus on just like making contact as quickly as possible, putting a charge in the ball, not worrying as much about whether it was going to be a home run or not, or like an ideal pitch to swing at. Westberg for me has been incredible to watch, especially when you, if you compare him to Colton Kowser, because you could see that Kowser just couldn't figure out which pitches to swing at. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he would constantly, it, like he just took so many bad swings. And Westberg, to my eye, never takes a bad cut. Yeah. He and... doesn't chase pitches out of the zone. And he seems really focused on just making quality contact when he can. He's not, you know, I think a lot of us, when he came up, were like, this guy's going to start launching home runs right away. He's got that like Chris Bryant natural uppercut swing. And that hasn't happened. Has not. But I think happened. he sort of knows, like, that will come. There, there um, was a moment. And we've seen him. There was a moment when he was sort of, um, I will say, mired in. I think it was like an O for twenty something streak, and mm-hmm. um, he uh, two consecutive at bats took a fairly close inside pitch um, that was called strike three. Um, uh huh. And. Both times, those pitches showed up on the next day's umpire error scorecard. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it was just interesting to me to be like, you know, like a lot of young people, young guns, myself included, if I were ever in that position, would be really, you know, scuffling in that moment and trying to do whatever they could to be a hero and swing at everything and um, yeah. and not risk but he knows, you know, he's got a good eye and he knew that it was <laughs> it was a ball. Mm-hmm. So he took it as a ball um, and he didn't get the call. And I think that that is indicative of like, you know, most of the time he'll get that call. Most of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he won't. The, the, it, it was a tough run, um, but I was impressed that he wasn't he wasn't panicking and he was continuing to do his uh, do the work. <laughs> um, yeah. And he was right. Um, yeah. And he got, you know, got unlucky. But 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's mm-hmm. my he's my um he's my feel good in the last couple of weeks. Even even though I don't think that he is um jumping off the page at you in terms of production or even um like counting stats. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. And uh, you know, between him, Urias and Frazier, who seem to occupy the same kind of general space in Brandon Hyde's brain. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you know, the three of them together are always like always rock solid defense. And I know some people kind of rag on Frazier for his defense, which I personally don't understand. I feel like he's been pretty good. I think uh, he's had I'm some like, I think he's had some high profile like um, memorable fuck-ups, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I think has, like, scarred people. I, I, yeah. I, I think I think that's a, um, like, one or two, like, errors that led to losing games. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's the opposite of what I think I'm seeing with Westberg. It's sort of like, it, they, were, yeah. they were flashy mistakes, whereas mostly I think he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I I don't know. I just think like the three of them together are so important to the sustainability of the success that we have had, even though, you know, it is definitely other hitters in the lineup who tend to supply the like offense that has sustained us like those three guys, the dependability of them, the kind of lack of holes in their game. um, really all through the season uh it, it i think it's um it gets slept on a little bit how important that is to our success so what's your over this three and three road trip so far what has you the most uh concerned well i think it's that you know we going into the all-star break and coming out of the all-star break we had a number of games where we like put a ton of offense on the board. Um, And I'm just going to run it down. Like if you go back and start at June uh, 10th, we beat Kansas city six, one, then we beat them 11 to three June 26th. We beat Cincinnati 10 to three. Then there was the run right up to the all-star break where we had the 14 to one game against the Yankees and the 15 to two game against Minnesota. Um, And, and coming out of the break, you know, did not score quite as many runs, but then we had uh, the Toronto series and the, another series against the Yankees where we were scoring, you know, consistently between seven and 13 runs Mm -hmm. a game. And it really started to feel like the offense was clicking Mm -hmm. Um, and complementing the relative consistency of the starting rotation in a way that made it feel like, okay, like this is the team's true level. Um, And what has happened really, I think, since the the Seattle series. The road trip, um, yeah. Which again, you know, it, it's only six games, but the bats just like have not been there. And it has been a reminder to me that like when our offense goes to sleep, it goes into a very deep slumber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and 
when we get dominant pitching performances, that's okay. It's not, you know, we can score enough runs to win. But as I look ahead to, hopefully, insane to talk about, playoff series, um, against, you know, the other teams that are looking like they're going to be, that we would be up against, in playoff series, your Houston's, your Rangers, uh, you know, maybe eventually, God willing, your Dodgers and your Braves, there is like thunder mm-hmm. in those lineups, mm-hmm. like deafening thunder. Mm-hmm. And we are capable of generating the same amount of thunder, but we don't seem to be able, uh, capable of generating it consistently. Yeah. So it comes in such fits and starts. So I'm nervous about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I I wonder whether the you know the relative gamble to say let's roll with um, O'Hearn and Hicks and their uh, you know relatively hot hands um, for a while knowing that they were probably overperforming their talent level, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, whether or not that is like, I'm not sure how to put this, but like we, we, we knew it wasn't sustainable. I just, I wonder how much those people not regularly producing in turn um, deepens the slumber when, for like a couple of games, Gunner and Adley and and Mountcastle aren't hitting, or Gunner and Adley and Mullins aren't hitting, um, right? Which I guess I would We're like a little I would too... put one of our, our, our and then also like yeah, what did I just say? I just said that our two most consistent bats, no matter how you slice it, are Gunner Henderson and Adley Rutschman, who are both like kids, <laughs> yes, uh, children, <laughs> and have not done this before. Um, yeah, and so yeah. there's a like. <laughs> Gunnar Henderson is 12 years old. I cannot get over how young he looks when he's up on the big screen. Um, yeah, yeah. He was playing high school baseball like three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I think that that is, I, I think it's impossible to, um, you know, what, what, one of the things that I think would, would make, give the Orioles in any of those matchups a puncher's chance is that I think that these guys continue to demonstrate that they are just like having fun and enjoying themselves and and kicking butt and mm-hmm. that they are not too crazy worried about pressure. So like, who knows? Maybe October doesn't affect them like it does other people. Conversely, though, like one of the terrifying things about the Astros, <laughs> the Braves, the Dodgers is like they've all got guys who have done that before. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it may be that I, I wouldn't, I, I, I'm i excited for our guys to get some seasoning, but it wouldn't shock me if we needed another year to kind of get to a place yeah. where the bats, um, you know, had gone through a couple of 160-some games of major league pitching and knew the ups and downs of a season and could sort of like work to make sure that they were in their toppest tip top tippy top shape come Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. 
playoff time. I think yeah. I think that 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 might be the the thing that we're most likely to have happen, given what we know about um, our decisions at the trade deadline. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. we we didn't we didn't go out and get a bat that would in some way anchor anything or would be sort of like a dependable three, four, five plug into the lineup. And that means we're still going to kind of be hoping that (laughs) this Hayes slump is more the exception. And the first half of the season is more the rule. And we're going to have to hope that whatever Mountcastle has done since he's come off the DL is closer to the truth. And we're going to have to hope that Cedric Mullins, you know, yeah, that stays healthy. <laughs> absolutely amazing game against Seattle, but like hasn't really hit since he's been back. Um, right, right. You know, he'll mm-hmm. he'll get he'll get back in a groove, I I assume. But yeah, no, I agree. And what you're saying is making me realize uh, that I think if I if I have like a a high level concern about the team, it's that we are very hot hand dependent. Yeah, you know, like I think you could look even if you think about say the first half of the season. Um, and how carried we were at various points because of the offense's relatively low output at, at various stretches on the fact that Cano was basically immaculate for a month and a half. Right. And he's still pitching very, very well overall, but he's not immaculate anymore, and all of a sudden the bullpen seems way more vulnerable than it did. And Batista rarely blows up but when he does we are really exposed in terms of our lack of of other options there and you know people always say like oh the Orioles bullpen is so good look how low their earned run average is <laughs> well if you take out Bautista's earned run average and Cano's our bullpen earned run average is hideous yeah <laughs> it's those two guys yeah that are accounting for all that and, and it goes to what you're saying Kalum about back on the Danny's being on the DL and yeesh yeah yeah. And it goes to what you're saying about um O'Hearn and and more recently um Mountcastle. I was just looking up like over the last month Ryan Mountcastle is hitting uh where did this go? The 392 457 646. Off the ball. Yeah. And but we also know this about Ryan Mountcastle that he's capable of going on these tears, but when his bat goes to sleep it is a deep slumber, and yeah. you know that's been masking the fact that like Santander has been in a fairly prolonged slump. Gunner has been in a somewhat prolonged slump. Like, um, and and all Hayes of a sudden, is scuffling. Hayes, exactly, and all of a sudden you start unplugging, you know, the power potential of that many people in this lineup and we start to get exposed pretty quickly Yeah. versus the teams that you're talking about, you know, the Dodgers and Braves are the ones that, that come to mind the most. Like you have so many elite performers there that you, there's just a sense of insurance that, um, they're, they're just not, all those things aren't going to go bad at the same time. Um, and yeah, so I think it is something to, keep an eye on yeah as we go forward but that's also the thing about playoff baseball is like over a five game window those things can all go bad at the same time you know yeah, like that's true we, we saw a couple mm-hmm. years ago i don't I'm, I'm not remembering the year right now but like 
a couple I, I remember a couple years ago this sort of like terrifying Dodgers offense and Kershaw has a couple yeah. of bad starts and they're just out in the first round. Um, no, you're right. You're right. Like yeah, that mm-hmm. baseball is it's so fascinating the ways that we like we play all of these games to get to the playoffs and then the playoffs are kind of a crapshoot like yeah because of the breadth and depth of the season you know these trends can like it it's almost about like what can you do in the couple of weeks beforehand to just kind of get yourself totally right yeah if 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 you're someone who believes in averages maybe it's a great thing that hayes and and santander are scuffling right now because they're saving it they're saving it up man (laughs) they're 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 gonna like round into form in late september and come into yeah come in scorching then that's all that matters now now that we have some sort of like i mean we should we should also mention like i I don't know how you're feeling right now but News out of Tampa, being what it is. Oh, Jesus. Um, God. And with the Yankees, like, I love all these Yankees storylines about, like, falling under 500 and it yeah. hasn't happened in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm enjoying that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, cry about it. Cry about it. You know, with, with, with Tampa, it's still only, <laughs> should be said, three games back, but um, yeah. two, 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 I think, as we record today. Two games back, uh, not gone dead yet, but um, nope. looking not dead yet. <laughs> looking a little less scary, I think we can say. Um, yeah. Than yeah. than the Tampa of yore, and with the Jays not still not quite getting it together. Like, mm-hmm. if there's a time in the season to have a mercurial lineup be at the bottom of the thermometer. This ain't a bad one. Um, this ain't a bad one. You're you're completely right. And you know, we navigated the more the most difficult patches of our schedule well enough that if there was ever a moment for the sleeping bats to drink some espresso, upcoming series against Oakland, Colorado, the Angels, the Cardinals, the Nats, those are going to be beneficial to that cause i don't think it i mean i i am i am also concerned about the bats i don't want to underestimate that but let's go back and look at the six the last six starters the orioles have faced i think all six of them (laughs) are legitimate like number ones if they were the oriole they they were on the orioles oh dude yes i think all six of them right i mean like the yeah did you did you watch that blake snell game yeah I was like, that this dude is good. Dude is evil. <laughs> that that stuff is evil. I get that he walks a lot of guys. I get it. But if he gets it around the play, we looked helpless yeah, but, against him. And I don't blame us. But but I mean, th- that's true. But also, like, George Kirby ain't no slouch, man. Like Oh, for he, sure. He, for sure. I would maybe maybe we should have scratched out a few more runs than one in the tenth. But um <laughs> You know, uh, you don't love to see him go complete, but anyway, I'm just saying like, I don't even, even in the playoffs, um, I don't think you see a scarier run of six games than we just got lucked into. Um, totally, totally. No, that's a really, 
that's a really good point. That's a, nobody. There is no rotation in baseball that is going to hit us with like six straight aces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and so you know, I mean, that that the, they might hit us with three straight aces, and then who can go again? Because that's how the playoffs works. Because the playoffs are yeah. insane. Yeah, but um, yeah, I I just I I think that that is um should should not be underestimated in our relative concern and panic levels. Yes, and nor should the fact that we made it through this stretch. It's not like we went three and, and three. Six. Yeah, one three, three of three those games. Is, yeah, it's not and only lost one game in the standings to Tampa Bay. Um which it you know, the way the the their games played out could have been worse. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like we're sitting here panicking. Um and I also think just as one last thing for this uh segment of the show, like I think the point you made about the playoffs is so important, Alan. Like, there, we, there's all this talk, not just amongst Orioles fans on podcasts like ours and on Twitter and stuff, sorry, X, um, of, like, oh, is this team really built for the playoffs? Like, you know, do they have the, um, the, the like, studs to contend in that environment? This, that same point gets made in the mainstream professional baseball press. And if those... Narratives were true. The Dodgers would have won the last like fourteen World, World Series, Series yeah. in a row, you know, and uh, or like the Braves would have won. I know they did win recently, but like, there's this idea that the playoffs work differently than they actually do in practice. And I'm not saying you know you do need to you you can't like willfully go into the playoffs with a bunch of holes in your roster. Sure, but. It is as true that the things that have been successful for you during the regular season will continue to be successful for you in the playoffs as it is that your on-paper playoff construction will serve you well right. in the playoffs. Right. Yep. Hot hands, baby. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm excited and interested to see what this break did for Tyler Wells. I'm excited and interested to see what the six-man rotation does to kind of give mm-hmm. our young... Um, pitchers who have are, are already reaching career highs kind of across the board. Um, a little bit of breathing space. I'm okay with uh, continuing to go to Fuji, even if that means uh, like uh, we lose a couple of games or we have to have our hearts in our throats <laughs> a little bit more than we want. Um, just because I think that like what the, the, um, the, the difference between, like Bautista being rested and untouchable as he was for almost all of July. And this more recent Bautista, which feels to me a little bit tired um, and a little bit like back to the kind of he'll walk three guys, but then strike out three guys. um, Mm -hmm. Chaos Mm -hmm. machine is like, I, I just want him to be in. I don't care about that now. <laughs> I just want him to have mm-hmm. a September like he had a, a you know an October like he had a July. <laughs> yes, yes, totally, totally. Um, and uh, I am probably going to jinx him by saying this, but you know, we talked about how Yanir Cano can single handedly make the bullpen seem un- unstoppable. We seem to have discovered Cano 2.0 in Jacob Webb. So <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's keep that going. Um, the only thing that I would add to my concern for the week is, I mean, and this is like a um, um, maybe an annoying take, and I apologize if so, but I, I just <laughs> wish that like 
I wish for a little bit of grace from our fan base at times. And the Flaherty mm. start against the Padres was not good. He didn't have his stuff. Yeah. He was missing with strike one a lot. Um, yep. And the Padres punished him and he got mm-hmm. shellacked. That does not mean he's a scrub. Like, we no. Like, calm down, guys. It, a bad outing on a West Coast swing against a very good, if wildly underperforming as the season has gone along lineup. Like it doesn't, it's not the um, sky is falling um, catastrophe that some of our fan base seems to think it is. And I, I just don't, I don't enjoy like, it makes me not want to participate in the collective fan experience when mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that happens because I, like, it, it, it's just it's just not fun. It's just not fun. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to remember there's a reason almost everybody picked San Diego to make the playoffs coming into the season. When Who knows what's going on in that clubhouse? And there's been a lot of ink spilled about it, about why they sort of are lacking a want to sometimes. But when that team is firing on all cylinders... There are no holes in that lineup. Yeah. And and not just there are no holes, but like, did you see what Juan Soto did to us so relentlessly? Just like fouls off pitch after pitch after pitch after pitch until he gets one. He likes, like Grayson Rodriguez is the only guy who could figure out how to like, like get him out of the batter's box without severe damage. Yeah. He is a monster and... That is not accounting for Fernando Tatis Jr., Hasong Kim, uh, Xander Bogarts, Cronenworth is like sneaky, maddening, Machado, obviously. Like, that is a briar patch of a lineup to get through, especially as a starter to get through three times. Yeah. It's nuts. I mean, th- there is a reason that ev- everybody is so mystified about how bad they are. And talking so, about hot hands, I mean, I, I I don't think that the Yankee, I think it's funny that the Yankees manager keeps being like, we're just one run away. But like, yeah. no one wants to see this Padres team in the playoffs. <laughs> no. You just don't. No. Like, they're, they're, they are, they are <laughs> well, look, loaded look and they're they terrifying. <laughs> and like, yeah, you don't, no yeah. one wants to see that. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. Flaherty, um, He's not as good as his first start, first start with us, uh, and he's not as bad as his third start with us. And I just like everybody, calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, it's going to be okay. And uh, you know, I, I mean, the, the flip side is, you know, or not even the flip side. I think what's going on a little bit with Flaherty is because of the tenor of the trade deadline. Yes. There is a talent level that got ascribed a lot to of Flaherty. Eggs, a lot of eggs in his basket to be the thing that pushes us over the top. Yes. When, like, any, you know, clear-eyed Italian evaluation would probably put Jack Flaherty uh, somewhere between Dean Kramer and Cole Irvin as his, like, true talent level. Which, does that help us? Yes, definitively. But... We did not trade for Max Scherzer. Right. <laughs> we did not trade for Justin Verlander. We did not trade for somebody who, uh, you know, w- w- like a Hall of Fame pitcher. And that means that he's going to have difficult outings sometimes, and it's okay. Yep. Yep. 
And if and if what he does is, I mean, keeps us in more games than he doesn't and allows us to, like I said, like we said, go to a six person rotation, um, stretch out a little bit, let John Means come back on his own time, let, you know, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. let the, the, the cavalry who I hope is still coming come, then we should be <laughs> we should be we should be doing better. So, Smith, there was there was sort of a. Uh, a bigger conversation that I know you wanted to have with regard to uh, some of the conversations about ownership that that we've been having on the show. Well, you know, listeners to the show, uh, last week, may remember, we came down fairly hard on the Angelos clan. Um, I know it was kind of a hot take, a little (laughs) bit of a controversial stance, but we went there. (laughs) I know. Um, And then I I was just, I've been thinking about that, and uh, this is not to suggest that um, I've come round on the Angeloses. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I do think that there's a certain amount of like, there are no good sports owners. There's, there are, the best you can hope for, I think, is, um, Steve Cohen on the Mets and Arthur Blank on the Falcons, people who made their money in like maybe slightly less odious ways. And mostly what they do is just spend a lot of money and get out of the way um, and back their talent evaluators as much as they can. Mm -hmm. And even those people are not, good (laughs) there's nothing good about someone who like steve cohen made billions and billions of dollars uh you know gambling on and i think disassembling uh people's buying companies disassembling companies laying people off and selling them for parts like venture capitalism Mm -hmm. is not good it doesn't Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it doesn't provide (laughs) value to society um uh it provides well, steve it provides, cohen is a member of society it yes provides value to him yes that's true it <laughs> provides a lot of value to individuals but it does not do much for, for steve cohen collective. is people my friend <laughs> is he um but anyway the, he you know he's if if he is the sort of like the shining light of yeah, the yeah. best you can hold up for in terms of sports ownership you know right I, I think I think that like if 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 you um you know it, it's definitely John Angelos's turn in the sun right now. <laughs> it should be. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. did a bunch of yeah. dumb stuff and he is currently trying to hold the um city of Baltimore hostage for some some bullshit. But like let's think about this. You know, if 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 this is your general stance, and now I'm going to I'm going to cite this guy Will Leitch who wrote this article, there's no such thing as a good sports team owner. Yeah. Um in uh the Intelligencer on the New York Magazine. Um mm-hmm. like if we're going to say that we can't root for the Orioles or in some way that like Angelos is keeping us from enjoying the Orioles season, like that means we also can't appreciate what Otani's doing right now because let me mm. tell you the Angels owner is a dick <laughs> and, 
And he is a Trump supporting <laughs> in, you know, um, MAGA dick <laughs> at that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to say that we that John Angelos is coloring your experience of like this particular um, Orioles season, then you can't really root for like the Denver Nuggets, uh, like their ownership group, who also owns 74 other teams had to pay the city of Los St. Louis 157 107 500 sorry 571 million dollars in a settlement mm-hmm. after committing fraud. Mm-hmm. Now, that's mm-hmm. alleged fraud because they paid to make it go away, but you don't pay 571 million dollars uh if you didn't do something just um, for fun. <laughs> just for fun. You know, it's like it's like there aren't there aren't a lot of you can't you have to you have to divorce your brain from ownership because of the model that we live in. But, you know, Sam, you also sent me this really interesting article about like the rise of, I don't know, uh, fan owned cooperatives as a Mm -hmm. ownership model. And I think that like, so, so I I guess what I'm saying is like, if, if you have a single owner (laughs) or you even Mm -hmm. have an ownership group, which is sort of a bunch of billionaires sitting together, then you may not have people who are as publicly distasteful as John Angelos, but you've got a bunch of distasteful people owning your team. And as sports fans, I think like there is no way to divorce ourselves from that feeling. Now, I think there are gradients. Like I do think Mm -hmm. that the um, Russian tycoon who ran Chelsea was worse than the American tycoon who is currently running Chelsea. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Saudi oil money is a little bit different than venture capitalism, American money, but not enough, <laughs> not enough yeah. difference to, to kind of carve a, a space there. Um, yeah. And I, I think, so I think either we all have to continue to, divorce ourselves from this an, yet another thing in being a sports fan. Like there, there are so many reasons why being um, a sports fan does not always um, align with my ethics. Um, and mm-hmm. I do it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't any real way to be an ethical sports fan. And that includes, that has to include ownership or, we have yeah. to figure out a way to um, fundamentally shift the ownership model. Yeah. I I agree so much. And the only thing I would add is I think it, for me it has been really frustrating to watch. I want to be really careful how I talk about this. So please tell me if you think I'm getting any of this wrong. But I've been really frustrated watching, you know, for this brief shining moment, there was very intense national public scrutiny, not just from Baltimore fans, national public scrutiny on Angelos and the the depth of his bad faith negotiating and holding hostage of public money to personally enrich himself, the like long-term, like, deep-rooted damage that he is capable of doing 
out of his own greed. And there was what he did with Kevin Brown was so hideous and gross, despite the fact that Kevin Brown denies it happened. I love you, Kevin Brown, but that tweet you put up read like a hostage letter. <laughs> yes. Um, Blink three times if. Yeah. And it did, it seems like, as we talked about on the show last week, create a little bit of a crack in the window. Yeah. A, a chink in the armor where outlets like The Banner and The Sun and The Athletic were able to actually get some answers about why we don't have Elise yet, the very weird dynamic between Angelos and Governor um, Wes Morris. Um, it's Wes Morris, right? All of a sudden I'm like, what's the governor's Wesley name? Wesley Morris? Wes yes. Morris. Maryland governor. Yep. It's Wes Moore. Wes Moore. Jesus Christ. Okay. I sound like an idiot. All right. Wes Moore. Um, and, and not that, that real progress happened because of this intense public scrutiny. Mm. And when we're talking about institutionalized power and money, mm. that is what it takes. So now that the Wander Franco story has come out. Yeah. All that, not all of it, but a lot of that public outrage has shifted to a situation that is horrifying, of course, disgusting, needs to be urgently addressed, all of these things, but is also, if it's true, a... A, a, a situation that ultimately boils down to a, a small handful of individuals that ultimately has nothing to do with ownership and power structures mm. in Major League Baseball. And that, that, that's not me saying that it doesn't need to be dealt with. That's not me trying to excuse anything. But our public outrage at that situation does not create a climate of progress hmm. on a deep-rooted social issue. It just gives us a convenient place to dump memes and outrage and try to, like, rack up uh, social media points for being like, this dude's cooked, like, this guy's career's over, like, sucks for the raise, like, all that kind of stuff. And, it, again... If Wander Franco did what he is accused of, he should be severely punished. The kind of trauma that doing things like what he does is lifelong and terrible. There are, there's no excuse for it. But it is also ultimately not any of our business, really. And it, it like the Angelos situation is our business. That's our money. Mm. That's our goodwill. That's our hearts and minds and, and love and legacy and, like, city that I mean, you and I don't actually live there. But you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that, that we actually, our public commentary and pressure and outrage and activism can actually measurably impact the outcome of that situation. Mm -hmm. And I just don't want us to lose sight of that because it's easier to dunk on yeah i mean or, or the terrible behavior of like or even an individual person or even if you sort of like um remove 
Wander Franco from the discussion and remove like it's just sort of like the speed at which we move on. Um, yeah. Like the speed at which the sort of like the eye of Sauron uh, re, <laughs> you know, refocuses elsewhere. Um, and this sort of like burns all the flesh off of the, the thing that it focuses on for a moment. Um, like, I, I think you're, I think you're even, even if you believe um that you know um public um uh, a, a public investigation of a sex trafficking ring could have you know real um positive benefits for people being able to identify other like uh, exploitation of minor like even even if you could see the yes. intrinsic social value of um that focus it is also frustrating to know, to me, like you're saying, like now Angelos is off the hook, <laughs> effectively, and right. Franco is going to be off the hook in a week. Like yeah. it's like you know, <laughs> if you don't like the weather in Scotland, wait ten minutes. Like it, it's it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 the the inevitability of the next dumb thing. Um, mm-hmm that we we could we could you know and and probably will on this podcast uh discuss sort of like the 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 values um ramifications of and how it affects our sports fandom of etc cetera, etc cetera, like doesn't change the fact that we're already moving on to the next thing and we've all kind of forgotten about Clayton Kershaw at all being boneheads and making you know uh baseball un, un unwelcoming to gay people for a while or like yeah, whatever you know whatever yeah. else the thing was that seems mm-hmm. important and was important and is important from not very long ago um mm-hmm. yeah i i find that that is frustrating um in its and it's sort of like, yeah, temporary focus, because as you say, this situation in Baltimore is one of the very rare places where like that public scrutiny could have real positive dividends. Yes. <laughs> like people, these owners that you're describing. Yes. These owners that you're, you're talking about, they get away with what they get away with because they know that by and large sports washing works yes and that we are not that they're able to hide uh and and they and they are using our minds our affinity and loyalty for their product to conceal the skullduggery that they get up to mm-hmm. and this was a moment where because they made an incredible Angelos made an incredibly boneheaded decision he gave us a window into what he was doing and for a second we all jumped through the window and started rummaging around his <laughs> house <laughs> and we're like look at all this bullshit <laughs> this is terrible <laughs> this who lives is like this <laughs> exactly and you know that's not all i'm saying about the Wander Franco situation is like as tempting as it is to pile on to that situation and like talk about it, that's not going to happen. Yeah. In in that situation, 
Uh, I hope that, you know, again, if he is guilty of what he's accused of, he is rightly punished severely for it. But it, it's just a different model of public engagement with yeah. a situation. And uh, I think we need to, like, keep our keep our attention on things where our attention can make a meaningful difference. I think that's right. Whew. Do we think, did, <laughs> please tell me I didn't say anything like really heinous there, Smith. I'm, I'm now extremely self-conscious. <laughs> I think you're okay. Okay. I think you're All okay. Right. I think, I mean, I, th- I think that there probably is a reasonable case to be made around like seemingly the halls of powers obsession with young girls and this very strange, yes. like there's probably are totally. things that need to be like light shined on that, but I, I don't under like that and 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 the ways in which it is like becoming like the the darkest parts of the internet are either those people looking for what they want or they are like the like pizza gate i don't know man that that whole thing is that is a that is a a, a thick gordian knot that i don't think anyone yeah. um is capable of untying yeah, but I have yeah, yeah, a yeah. Um, exactly. I have maybe an even more important question for you. Um, could there? How could there be a more think, important question? I think, I think I have an even more important question for you. Um, My goodness, which would be, um, what would you call um, former <clears throat> Orioles outfield prospect? Um, Got a, a cup of coffee with the big league a couple times. Henry Arudia. If <laughs> uh-huh. he, I remember him. You do. Good. If he <laughs> was um, being evoked in a faux Zen Buddhist koan um, expressing the reality or unreality of consciousness in mm. the seminal um, early 2000s or maybe even late 90s film mm, mm. the matrix 1999's mm. the matrix my goodness well this is embarrassing for me smith because what you're proposing is a very realistic scenario that would <laughs> definitely happen uh and yet somehow i can't come up with an answer <laughs> no no <laughs> Uh, how about... No, because, um, and this is something we can talk about on a different broadcast, I've never actually seen that film. What? So, uh... What? Feel free to denigrate me as necessary on the internet. That's insane. You. <laughs> you haven't seen The Matrix? I have I not seen The Matrix. we went together to see The Matrix in 19... And maybe we went to see the second... Do we... Have you seen any of The Matrix yeah, well, movies? This is the dumb thing, is I have seen the second and third okay, ones, okay. Both, so I, both with you, I think. Okay, good, good. Well, we should go back and watch the first one, because it's the only good one. Anyway, yeah. you would call him, Henry, there is no Spoon Rudia. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I've, I've, got a new, I've got a new mantra in these in these troubling times, <laughs> Smith. And like so many things in my life, it is courtesy of my favorite baseball player of all time, former <laughs> Orioles prospect, Henry Arudia. <laughs> 
Thank you for listening to this uh, kind of longer than usual episode, Baltimoreans. Uh, we love and appreciate you. We'll see if the format holds or this just makes us ramble again. <laughs> Bye. Baltimoreans. <laughs> <laughs>